ESPN Sports Radio 1392.5. Now for something completely different. We're going to bring, bring it all together. Because that's the bottom line. Bottom line. Bottom line. ESPN Radio 1392.5. It's the bottom line with Brad Taylor. Presented by Stable Duel. Sports talk from a handicapping perspective. Good morning. Thank you for joining us on this beautiful Sunday. And I don't care what the suits around here say. I'd like to wish Miss Judy, my mother, a very happy birthday today. It's a blessing that uh, we've made it another year. And I'm just as grateful as you that we're both still here. So I hope you have a wonderful day today. Because more than anyone else, Miss Judy, you deserve it. Never forget that. But uh, don't forget to take your meds today. Sheesh. Come on now. 859-381-1313. That's the number to call to join in on the conversation. You can email the show anytime. Bottomlinelex at gmail.com. And you can follow us on Twitter at Bottomlinelex. On today's show, around 930, Josh Moore, the Kentucky football beat writer for the Lexington Herald-Leader, he will join us. And uh, we'll talk to him about all things Kentucky football, as only we can here on the bottom line, focusing, of course, on win totals out in the desert, but everything else Kentucky football as well. The Reds have finally gotten back to 500 for the first time in about a month, taking advantage of their worst road team in Major League Baseball. We'll talk about their game today. The NBA playoffs continue, and yet another favorite won and covered the point spread last night. If you're a listener to this show, you've been cashing in on that for almost a month now. And if you're not listening to this, if you're not listening to this show, well, you're not going to hear anything we say about it. So there you go. Of course, don't forget the most profitable segment in Lexington Radio coming up: our Mac Daddy Stogie Picks, presented by Jake Cigar Bar. Coming off a night where we cashed in yet another NBA ticket, and oh by the way, the biggest underdog in Major League Baseball, going against the defending World Series Dodgers and going against Cy Young winner Trevor Bauer at almost plus 300. No big deal. We're just stacking papers over here. All that and much, much more on this week's Sunday edition of Lexington's fastest-growing sports talk radio experience. But first, 2018. Sure, it's mid-June. But before you know it, it's going to be football season around here. And judging by what we heard out uh, from our friends out in the desert, there's a lot of U.K. football fans out in the desert that's been out there the last few weeks. And we play the hits here on this show. We don't talk about soccer or hockey or other stuff. We talk about what people here in Lexington want to talk about. And we approach it from a handicapping perspective. And people like college football. And they like their Kentucky Wildcat football team. But, oh, 2018. With everything we've been through recently, 2018 seems like a long time ago, doesn't it? Oh, but you can harken back to the good old days of 2018. You remember that? Black Panther was the biggest movie in the world. Beyonce was at Coachella. Kids were eating Tide Pods just for the heck of it. Ah, the good old days. Wish we could go back there, eh? Well, not if you knew what was to come. But hey, everything was better in the good old days. And at this point in the show, we often go back in time to when I was a kid, 70s, 80s, 90s, something like that, and make some sort of silly analogy of something that happened then. That's 
amazingly happening again today. Because we all know the old adage, if you don't learn from history, you're going to repeat it. But today we're going to go back to the olden times of 2018. Man, we were dumb back then. It was pre-COVID, first and foremost. That's why we don't want to go back to 2018. It does seem like, though, that 2018 was a long, long time ago. And in reality, it was. We don't have the same lives today that we had three short years ago. And as a culture, we always talk so highly, and we always balloon up the good old days. Things were so much better when we were kids, right? Oh, I loved it when back when, when we could do this. Now we can't do this. We have to do that. Everything has changed. Oh, life was so much simpler back then. Was it better, really, when you were a kid than it is today? I always say this. There are three things and three things only that were better in the 80s when I was a kid than they are today. College basketball, music, professional wrestling. That's it. I defy you to add or subtract from that list because everything else is better today. Every aspect of life is better today than it was back in the old days. But Kentucky football, they don't live in the past. They don't like to live in the past because there's not much reason to live in the past because there's not much to feel good about in the past of Kentucky football. But oh, did 2018 erase all those bad memories, huh? That team went 10-3. and three. I always call it the miracle season. Only one team in the history of a program has won more than 10 games in a season, and that dated all the way back to 1950. Even I wasn't alive for that. So it was the glory days for Kentucky football all the way back in 2018. But was it really the best of times for Kentucky football? When people remember that season, People remember probably first and foremost defeating Florida for the first time in decades early in that season. They finally got that monkey off their back. They finally took down Florida for the first time in most people's lifetimes around here. But the biggest game that season, shockingly enough, was a road game at Texas A&M when Kentucky had started 5-0. and How many times have you seen Kentucky start 5-0 and in your life Uh, That's probably the only one that I remember. So Kentucky went to Texas A&M that year undefeated. They had a bye week the next week. So all guns will be blazing. Going into your bye week 6-0 if you win this one, wow, that's amazing. And Kentucky hangs close with Texas A&M, although they're doing terribly on offense with Terry Wilson at quarterback. That's another story that we've harped on on this show for a long time. But Kentucky gets a touchdown with four minutes to go to pull within one point, 14-13. Mark Stoops says, hey, kick that extra point. Let's tie it up. Why? You're David. You're not Goliath. I always wondered why Stoops was so quick to kick that extra point, almost never debating going for two in that spot. And why not? You're David. You're not Goliath. When you're David and you're 5-0, and and you have a, a shot to steal a road game of the SEC against a team that's better than you are, both at that time and historically. Don't play like you're Goliath when in reality you're David. You only get so many chances, especially when you're Kentucky. The chances are very rare and very far between. It's kind of like in the 2015 Final Four 
when that undefeated Kentucky team, sitting at 38-0, had a lead on Wisconsin in the Final Four and blew that lead at the very end because they were Goliath. And they started playing like David, milking the shot clock, letting the shot clock run out, not doing what got them to that point. But I digress. Point is, I'll go to my grave saying, that was the spot to roll the dice and go for two. What happens if you go for it and you miss it right there and you lose 14 to 13? At least you sent a message to your team saying that you'll do anything it takes to win. Not one player would have held resentment or blamed their coaches for going for two in that spot. That's another story for another day. Kentucky won their next two games after that A&M game and went home to play against Georgia, sitting at 7-1 with the SEC East Championship somehow on the line. This is 2018. Kentucky's playing a home game against Georgia to go to the SEC Championship game, basically. I was here. I was in town. I remember the buzz for that game. And coming from Atlanta, I know what college football is about in Georgia. It's everything. It's everything. But Georgia still looks at Kentucky as just an annoyance, something just in their way, on their way to something bigger. It was something you never saw here in Lexington. The home fans excited and rallying around the Kentucky football team with actually hope that they might actually pull off the upset. But how many people here really believed Kentucky was going to defeat mighty Georgia and win that game? Well, they didn't. Kentucky did lose that one by 17. And then they lost the next week at Tennessee. Then they defeated Louisville, defeated Penn State in a bowl game, to finish 10-3, the best season the program had in several decades. But why are we talking about this 2018 season today? We're talking about Kentucky football today. We'll have Josh Moore, the Lexington Herald leader. He'll be on around 9.30. We'll talk about this year's Kentucky football team, the 2021 version. But this 2018 version, still will live on in infamy, both in a good and bad way. Well, how could it be bad? Was it really the best season in our lifetimes for Kentucky football? Is it really, at that time, was this team really a program on the rise? Or was it taking advantage of an SEC East in complete turmoil? Just look around. Georgia, yeah, they've been a powerhouse for a while now. But look at everybody else around that time. Florida went through eight years with Will Muschamp and Jim McElwain as their coaches. Who could survive that? They're just now getting out of that decade-long funk of those two guys basically ruining their program. South Carolina was stupid enough not to learn from Florida's mistakes. They give Will Muschamp a job at their team. He failed there, too, shockingly. Don't even get started on Tennessee. That's been a train wreck for over a decade now with guys named Derek Dooley, Butch Jones, Jeremy Pruitt, leading them straight from the penthouse to the outhouse, as only you could do in Tennessee. Missouri, they recently fired a coach that went 500 in four seasons before he was ran out of town. And Vandy, they're just Vandy. Kentucky was winning at that point in time in 2018. One of the biggest reasons Kentucky was winning was by simply being stable and simply standing their ground while everyone else around them was self-destructing. So it wasn't like Kentucky had improved to a top-10 team as much as they had simply taken advantage of a window of opportunity outside of Georgia in the SEC. 
they were winning games like the old 1983 Chicago White Sox under then-young manager Tony La Russa, not the old kook you see today. But they had a motto that season, winning ugly. They had the best defensive player in the history of the program, Josh Allen, the best running back in the history of the program, Betty Snell. But they had a quarterback in Terry Wilson who was 13th out of 14 SEC quarterbacks in rating. Neither here nor there. Just think of simply if you had a mediocre quarterback that season. Not even a good one, just an average one. Oh, no, no, no. Don't get started on to touch back Terry Wilson again, Mr. Bottom Line. Always hating on Kentucky. You're a troll just trying to get clicks, blah, blah, blah. You're making stuff up again. Well, let me put it to you how our friends in the desert will like it and will understand it. If you had put your hard-earned money on Kentucky in every game in 2018, the year that they finished 10-3, and three, their miracle season, you cleaned up out in the desert, right? Uh, maybe you can't even hear this show right now because you cleaned up so much, you're probably on your yacht out in the middle of the ocean. And you don't care about stupid football anymore. Who cares? I've already cleaned up. Well, let me put it to you this way so all of us can understand. Although Kentucky went 10-3 and three in real life, in 2018, their best season in decades. They went 6-7 and seven against the spread in the desert. They lost you money. So, yes, if you put your hard-earned money on the Cats every game in that 2018 miracle season, you would have ended up in the hole. What does that tell us? Even though the Cats were great in the real world, the world around them in the SEC was so crazy, that Kentucky was expected to win many of those games that they weren't supposed to win before. For every upset of Florida on the road as a double-digit underdog, there was a game at Tennessee where you were a five-point favorite and got blown out of the water. So just because a team has a great record doesn't always mean you can make money off them out in the desert. And that's all we worry about on this show. I could be with you one day and against you the next day. My favorite team, whoever cashes me that ticket that night. I'll go to my grave saying that. We take emotion out of it. I don't have a favorite team. My favorite team's the one that can cash my ticket that day. Last season, 2020, the COVID year, Kentucky football went five and six if you add in their bowl win. But against the spread out in the desert, they went four and seven, including losing two games, Missouri and Ole Miss, that they were favored to win. So when Kentucky fans wax poetic about the salad days of 2018, the good old days when Kanye was visiting Trump at the White House, just remember that just like in real life, the good old days aren't exactly as good as we think they were. And that's the bottom line. ESPN Radio, 1,392.5. The bottom line with Brad Taylor, presented by Stable Duel. Sports talk from a handicapping perspective. The Reds yesterday finally back to 500 for the first time since May 16th with another win over the lowly, and I do mean lowly, Rockies yesterday, 10-3. The Reds now five games back in the National League Central, hanging on for dear life. And hey, look, that Reds bullpen yesterday, two scoreless innings. Wow. When you see things like that, you know things must be turning around for the better. Of course, the Rockies are the worst road team in Major League Baseball with a 5-26 record away from Coors Field. So is it really as impressive as you think it is? Eh, maybe not. That's okay, though. A win is a win, especially in Major League Baseball. Today at Great American Ballpark, 
the seventh and final game of the season series between the Rockies and Reds, and who really put their calendars on that one? The Reds will miss seeing the Rockies across the field from them, I'm sure. And who doesn't want to see a 20-5-40 and and team on the schedule every day? For the Rockies today, Antonio Senzatella. He'll go today 2-6 at six with a 4.62 ERA. While the Reds send a rookie to the mound, Tony Santion. He'll go for the Reds, his first Major League career start. So obviously, we don't have anything on Santion, but we have a little on Senzatella. The Rockies have been 41-41 and 41 career when Senzatella starts. So 82 starts, half the time that Colorado wins, half the time Colorado loses. Even this year, Senzatella, his numbers, his ERA plus, 100. You know what that means? He's exactly an average pitcher. So if you're talking about mediocrity, an average guy, that's what the, the Rockies are sending to the mound today. But out in the desert, it gets ugly when Senzatella is a road underdog like he is today, like the Rockies are going to probably be quite a bit the rest of the season. This is probably not a spot for them. In this spot, when Sentatella is a road underdog, the Rockies are 11-25 and 25 in this spot for a return on investment out in the desert, minus 25%. Yikes. And don't forget the Rockies, minus 61% return on investment in all road games this year. Even worse, yikes. But the Reds, hey, they're no great shakes when they're a home favorite this year. They're 12-12 and 12 when they're favored at home. That's the Reds this year. They also lose you 14.4% ROI. So not exactly a game where you should rush to the window and take either side. We don't know what to expect from the Reds' starting pitcher. And the Rockies' starting pitcher, eh, history tells us, probably not the best spot. But there's an old theory that you should always put your money on a first-time Major League starting pitcher. Conventional wisdom, conventional thinking is that the team wants that pitcher making his first start. They want him to win that game. They want to give him something to remember, and they'll go the extra effort to make sure that kid's first game is a winner. That's conventional wisdom. The numbers don't bear that out whatsoever, but it never stops people from using that trend. So if you use it, good luck. If we were on the Reds today, it wouldn't be because of a rookie pitcher. But a lot of people do for that reason. Having said that, the Reds a big minus 155 favorite in this one today. For what it's worth, the back end of each bullpen, they're ready today, as neither closer or setup guy was uh, used yesterday. Then again, who is the Reds setup guy right now? We don't really know. Your guess is as good as ours. Probably as good as David Bell's as well. Are the Reds the better team? Yes. Should they win this game? Yes. Is minus 155 too much delay with this team and this bullpen? Double yes. If the line was maybe 135, minus 135, I think I would go with the Reds today. But minus 155 is too much to pay for this one. Do you want your hard-earned money on the Reds with a one- or two-run lead late in this game and guys like Amir Garrett running out for the seventh inning to try to shut down a rally? Yeah, (laughs) good luck with that. We always say take the prices and the numbers, not the people and the teams. The Reds are the better team here, but not at this price. And that's the bottom line. ESPN Radio, 1,392.5. The bottom line with Brad Taylor, presented by Stable Duel. Sports talk from a handicapping perspective. Hey, if you'd like to give us a call, 859-381-1313. Give us your opinion. Do you like the show? Do you like the talking about point spreads and sports gambling philosophies? If you'd like it, hey, give us a call, 859-381-1313. 
But coming up after the break, it's the most profitable segment in Lexington Radio. Our Mac Daddy Stogie Picks, presented by Jake Cigar Bar. That's next, right here on ESPN Radio 1300 and 92.5. ESPN Radio 1300, 92.5. Bottom line with Brad Taylor, presented by Stable Duel. Sports talk from a handicapping perspective. And it's time now for the most profitable segment in Lexington Radio, our Mac Daddy Stogie Picks, presented by Jake Cigar Bar out at Brandon Crossing. Hey, how do you celebrate picking a winner out in the desert like we did several times yesterday? You go on down to Jake's Cigar Bar and have a Mac Daddy Stogie before the game even ends. And as they say at Jake's, smoke local, drink local, cross the line with us. Jake'sCigarBar.com. Tell our friends Jake and Autumn that the bottom line sent you, and they will treat you like uh, as well as they treat us, I'll promise you. That's Jake'sCigarBar.com. NBA. Well, we get tired of saying this. Another NBA winner last night. Clippers, they ended up minus five out in the desert. They were three and a half when we were on the air yesterday. All the money went in on the Clippers. They went up to five. And, of course, they win by 26 in a huge win last night. NBA playoff favorites now, 39 and 22 against the spread at 63.9%. People, we said it yesterday. We'll say it again right now. If you aren't cashing in on this run, we can't help you out any more than we already are. You listen, but you do not hear. That kind of thing. By the way, Donovan Mitchell injured again for the Jazz last night. More good news for the Clippers in game four. Uh, I wouldn't bet against them because we know they'll be favored and we know the trend. Today, two NBA playoff games. Brooklyn minus two over the Bucks in Milwaukee. Nets up 2-1 to one in this series. The numbers say this is Milwaukee's game to send this back to Brooklyn, tied to 2-2. Nope, we're going to take the Nets uh, to basically close this one down today. More money in the desert on Brooklyn. Brooklyn favored. Uh, favored teams, 39-22. and 22. Yeah, we'll take them. Nets win in cover. We'll take the, ch- the chalk in that one. And have you ever heard of a gentleman's sweep? It's a playoff series that's basically over. Uh, one team is up three to nothing in the series, but the road team is the one up. The home team is toast. They're done. But the concept is give the road team, uh, kind of lets the home team, give its fans one more reason to celebrate for the season, letting them win a home game four before going back to game five at the road team's or home arena and closing it out. So, yeah, gentlemen's sweep for the Suns and Nuggets in this series with Phoenix up uh, 3-0 in this one today at, at Denver. Gentlemen's sweep. No way. Phoenix closes this one out. We'll take Phoenix minus the three. So there you go with this playoff trend. Doesn't matter if the horses are blind. Just load the wagons. Don't look at teams and people. Look at prices and numbers. That's what we always say. So take the NBA favorites with the public money on them today, Brooklyn and Phoenix. And, of course, Major League Baseball. The favorites went 9-7 yesterday. But the biggest upset is the one we called here on this show. The Texas Rangers plus 275 is where they closed. They beat the Dodgers 12-1 to in Trevor Bauer, the Cy Young winner. I wish someone had gone out on a limb and taken the one of the worst teams in baseball, the Rangers, against the Dodgers last night. Oh, yeah, we did. I guarantee you there's not many people in the country, not just this market, who would take a risk and cash in like that in a public forum. Just saying, plenty of uh, teams with value today. Colorado has a little bit against Cincinnati if this line keeps going up. But some other teams, the Mets for sure, Seattle, Atlanta. But we like two games today. Houston and Minnesota. Houston a minus 140. Minnesota, Michael Pineda. You talk about a guy who doctors the ball. We talk about spider tech and all that stuff. Michael Pineda has been busted several times. He's going to the mound for the Twins today. 
A lot of value on the Twins. Pineda's 3.46 ERA, a good 1.1 whip. Yes, the Astros cheat, eh, but they're not at home. The Twins making a little bit of a comeback after a terrible start this year. And when they're an underdog, they really cash the tickets. We like Minnesota today. And another game we like, hey, how are the Yankees an underdog against the Phillies? Aaron Nola, that's why. But is Aaron Nola really that good for the Phillies? 4-4 four four with a 4.06 ERA. An off year for him. Domingo Herman goes for the Yankees. He's been a better pitcher. 3.12 ERA and a 1.02 whip. Herman's a better pitcher. Do the Yankees, are they the better team? Well, if you look at the records, they are. How are the Phillies favored? Aaron Nola has that name recognition. We'll take the Yankees today in a rare occasion where they're an underdog. You're getting about a plus 115 with them. So those are your Mac Daddy Stogies on the day. Yankees and Twins in Major League Baseball and ride the chalk all the way to the finish of the NBA. We're taking Phoenix. We're taking Brooklyn. Let's hope we cash in more tickets today like we did yesterday. But coming up after the break, let's talk UK football. Let's talk season win totals. Josh Moore, the Lexington Herald leader. He will join us to talk all things Kentucky football. That's coming up right here on ESPN Radio 1300 and 92.5. ESPN Radio 1300, 92.5. The bottom line with Brad Taylor presented by Stable Duel. Sports talk from a handicapping perspective. And we've been talking a lot about Kentucky football here on this show today. So who better to have with us right now than the UK beat writer, the beat writer for Kentucky football from the Lexington Herald-Leader. He's Josh Moore. Josh, thanks for joining us this morning. Yeah, it's a beautiful morning, finally. It looks like we, uh, you know, hopefully get all this rain out of here, finally. It's, it's been a, it's a nice dry Sunday. Uh, enjoying the weather here a little bit this morning and, yeah, happy to be on with you, Brad. Amen. Thank you for joining us. For, we feel sorry for you that you have to work with John Clay all the time. So you need all the you need all the relaxation and uh, outside work you can get. But let's get to the question right off the bat. Let's get to the tough one. Our friends out in the desert say Kentucky will win seven games this coming season. The good thing about post-COVID football, the cupcakes are back on the schedule. So in theory, that's three kind of easy wins. So the desert says Kentucky will probably go four and five against Power Five teams this season. I'll ask you, Josh Moore, over or under seven wins for Kentucky football this season? Over, I think. Uh, I mean, yeah, you have the three cupcake games, so that's you know wins. You know they don't like to you know they call them whatever they want to call them. They're, they're that those are wins. You don't win those games, you're 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 looking at a disaster. I think you can throw Louisville into the mix. I don't understand the thing with Louisville. I don't get. I don't get the fascination with 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 people out there who think you know what that is the one point game yes um i just don't i just don't <laughs> i don't know i don't get that i know they didn't play last year um and i know it's a robbery and, and yeah crazy things happy in robbery and and there's absolutely a you know there's there's nothing that could keep you know louisville from coming in or, or from from you know go uk from going down to, to louisville this year and and losing that game i mean it's definitely not impossible because you know especially late in the year you know you don't know how injuries are going to be and whatnot but I mean, you look at the last two results in that series, and and the way Louisville's trending, and some of the you know the you know off season things they've had to deal with lately. Um, to me, I don't know. Kentucky should be a pretty clear favorite in that game too. And so you know that's four wins. Vandy, that's a win. Missouri, that's you know the game that I think um, is, is kind of like the linchpin. It's you know the second game of the season. Um, I, you know, Missouri, a lot of people have them ahead of. UK and the East, I think it's kind of a pretty, you know, I think it's, it's going to be them and, and, and the Cats, you know, really vying for that that third spot in the East this year. 
um, and, and trying to challenge, you know, Georgia there at the top. Um, again, I think you, you know, UK you know, ultimately will be favored in that game once it's played just because it's, you know, at home. And, and, and I don't know that they're – I think a lot of the, the thing with Missouri is I think a lot of people like their coach, and, and he's a great guy, and, um, and and they play, you know, they're pretty sound defensively. And, and you know, when it comes to the, between them and UK, you know, last year's results sticks out. But there were a lot of circumstances surrounding that game that were outside of the field, but also just the, the offense was so, you know, inept that – yeah. Uh, I don't think you can look at that game and, and, and project what's going to happen based on last year's results. I think it would be closer to a you know, a more competitive contest. Uh, you know, and, again, not that that one wasn't. I mean, it was like a three-point game going into the yeah. fourth quarter. It's not like that game was a blowout or anything. Uh, and then I think they should beat South Carolina. So that gets you to seven. You know, that, that right there all gets you to seven. So, you know, you're telling me they can't, you know, you know from, uh, you know, from among Mississippi State, who, you know, that's you know, the coin flip. LSU, they're going to be a little bit down, but, you know, you, you can't count that as a win necessarily. And, you know, Florida, Georgia, I'm, I'm forgetting somebody. There's a game I'm forgetting. But uh, Tennessee. Yeah, Tennessee. Yeah. So, and I think, you know, I, I think they should be fair against Tennessee, too. I think, you know, I think eight is very, very obtainable um, and, and should be, you know, I, I you know, I, Mark Torrey wrote a column for us. It's been a couple months ago or maybe a month ago now that, um, you know, that seven and five wouldn't, wouldn't be right. enough year and i agree with him i think i think eight's the minimum for for kentucky this year to for fans that you know to really be satisfied um obviously but you know they want more than that and want to challenge for the east and and everything like that but i think you get to eight you know and then and then you know you go to a ball game uh that that really you know i think that that means you you know maximize um what was in front of you on the schedule and and really i think i mean there's really you know, you get a good break here or there. I mean, you're talking about another nine or ten win season. I think. I think the team. Uh, you know, there's a lot of question marks, but I think they um, have the talent to, to, to achieve that. You brought up the Missouri game. A lot of people are saying it's the most important game of the year. I happen to agree because I, if you look at our friends out in the desert, that's what we do on this show quite a bit. Missouri is projected to win more games than Kentucky, and if you look at SEC uh, Eastern odds, Missouri has much better odds than Kentucky does. So when people say, oh, Kentucky's going to beat Missouri because of revenge or because they're just better and they get the home field, that number out in the desert, it's going to – Kentucky might be favored, but it'll be three or less. So when you look at games like this, the game at Mississippi State, Mississippi State will be favored in that game to win that game. So a lot of these things, we look at that schedule, LSU, Florida, and Georgia, quite possibly the toughest three-week stretch any team faces in college football in the nation this season. Yes or no, does Kentucky win any of those three games? Because if you're saying they're going over that seven-win total, they if they lose those three, they have to go eight and one in those nine other games just to get over that seven. Right, and I think you that stretch, I think they come out with one. I don't think they beat Georgia. I mean, Georgia's been the team since, since Stoops has been here that they just haven't figured out. Um, and, and they've gotten closer, you know. It's not like Georgia's. You know, the last few times it's been a lot more competitive than it was early on in its tenure. But they're still a team that they've just never gotten their arms around and, and really been able to really be in a position at any point in a game that where you thought, oh, they might win this game. I mean, the closest was that year that when they went down there a couple of years ago and it was just pouring the rain and, you know, it was like 0-0 going into the second half. I mean, when that's gotten to beating them, that, that says a lot. Um I think you know Florida. I, I, you know, they're going to have to 
they've got some things to figure out on their side. I think that's the one you look at is is them. That would be like your that would be your 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 signature win of the year. You know, if you can knock them out and um, you know and and, and figure you know, again, it's it's a bear that they've conquered. It's not something that they can't do. Um, and then I think I think LSU's most likely. Uh, but you know those guys are going to have talent out the wall, too. It's, it's just going to be a lot of younger guys that, you know, haven't had a lot of time to prove themselves. But, you know, they'll have a lot of time to figure things out before that uh, UK, you game at UK. Um, the good thing is, I think, you know, even if you go 0-3 during that stretch, and I don't think they will, I think they'll get Florida or LSU. But you have your bye week after that. And I think, so right. I think, you know, schedule-wise, it, it at least sets up nicely that, you know, if you can get through that first stretch, if you beat Missouri – you know, you're, you're, you're undefeated going into that stretch before that three-game stretch, even if you've lost all three of those games. Um, I think this staff has proven, you know, during bye weeks, it's been able to go into bye weeks and, 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 and come out um, and finish strong, you know, the last few years. And I think that's something that they can, you know, kind of hang their hats on and we'll be able to do again, rest up, and, you know, come up and, and have that stretch of games. Um, where, where Mississippi, you know, Mississippi State's probably the, you know, that's the toughest one, really, when you look at that um, docket. You know, again, you know, Tennessee kind of hangs over the program somewhat, but I don't know. I mean, it's really, to me, the last five years, it, it, that game, it, Kentucky's been the better team. You're the better program. It's just not shown um, It's not shown itself like that on the field um, when that game comes around. So, hopefully, uh, you know, I think they'll, they'll be able to live up to that. And, um, and, again, that stretch, regardless of how that, you know, three-game, you know, gauntlet goes yeah, you'll be able to finish strong and and, and i think hit that window i do think you go over there because i just you know i i think i i think this coaching staff knows what's doing and, and and i know there's been some changes but you know your 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 you know heads of state you know to yep. or, or you know mark stoops vince marrow and, and brad white and, and those guys are you know, all in place still and and if, if shown a you know ability to you know with changing parts on the in the personnel group be able to you know, figure it out, especially defensively. And, you know, as long as they're intact, that, you know, Kentucky's going to be able to play good defense. And from there, you know, a lot of it's going to rest on Liam Cohen and what this, uh, you know, whoever the quarterback is. I think, you know, I think it's going to be Will Levis. But uh, whoever it is, um, those guys being able to put it together and, and help the defense out. Because, again, I think this defense is better than, than it's shown. Uh, it, it's maybe not and got to show, you know, they would never say this, but, I don't. I think it's a more dominant defense than it's even been on the field in a lot of ways. But, but they're just out there so much. You know, you can only you can only play so many snaps before you start wearing down. ESPN Radio thirteen hundred ninety two point five. The bottom line with Brad Taylor, presented by Stable Duel Sports Talk from a handicapping perspective. We're here with Josh Moore, the UK football beat writer from the Lexington Herald Leader, Joey Gatewood, Bo Allen, Will Levis. You mentioned it in passing just a minute ago. And we saw Terry Wilson the last three years, and the numbers tell us that the rest of the team almost hid his shortcomings numerically, especially in that 10-win season. Okay, Mr. Kentucky Football Insider, who is the Kentucky quarterback opening day for this team? I just don't – I don't see how it's not Will Levis. It just seems like all the dots when you – you know, how how quickly he was connected to, to Cohen and, and to this program when he – you know, just a couple weeks after Cohen was hired, you started hearing his name. Um, well before he actually got, um, you know, on campus, and it just, it just seems like that, you know, not to say he's like Cohen's, you know, pick or you know the golden boy coming in or anything, but I just feel like he, you know, he was in an offense at Penn State that's more, you know, closer to what Kentucky's looking to do this year. 
it's a uh, you know Gatewood and Allen have both talked about you know at least in the spring it was you know they hadn't taken shotgun snaps in you know you know half a decade <laughs> you know it's been um, I, I just think there's so much there he spent a lot of time in the offseason working with his trainer that that's you know just renowned in terms of you know, arm mechanics I, I just feel like you know if he, as long as he has shown up and and you know they get into fall camp and 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 proves it i I just feel like he's going to be the guy now i know um you know on paper that you know the if you're you're trying to keep everybody um you know sort of happy and and everything you know gatewood you know probably would would be the ideal pick you know if he could go out there and prove that that he can handle it and he can he can make um you you know that he's made the growth needed to to play in this offense and, and, and take snaps and throw the ball. They can all throw the ball. I don't think it's it's not a matter of, uh, you know, being able to do it. I think it's more, uh, as far as physically, I think it's all going to be more mentally and, and understanding the offense. And um, I just feel like Levis, I, I just, that's just what my gut tells me. I don't really have anybody you know, telling me that or anything. I just think that, you know, putting two and two together in a lot of places and, and coming up with four, uh, instead of trying to, you know, add it up elsewhere, I just feel like I feel like he's going to be the guy, and and you know again, but then he's got, you know, I'm sure he's got some stuff to prove too, because he couldn't, you know, he didn't win the job at Penn State, so it's not like he's coming in as a as a you know a, a five star, you know, stud. You know, he's a guy that had to put in some work, you know, too, and 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 so and it should be a good competition, and I mean, who knows? Maybe they get into the, the fall, and you know, maybe Bo Allen goes out there and kills it. I, I do think it'll be a you know, I do think it's a pretty open competition still at this point. But I just feel like I feel like Levis is probably best positioned to come out um, and and be the guy. And and, yeah, and that doesn't mean he'll be the guy. You know, by the time they play Florida, uh, you know, it could very well be the case that you know, you know, either he goes up there and 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 you know is maybe so so or just not good enough, and maybe someone else gets a chance. I I, I do think it'd be pretty fluid from there. I don't know that you know unless someone just. It just you know looks like Trevor Lawrence out there. I, I don't know that anybody's going to you know have have such a hold on the job that that you know it, someone else won't get a look. This team lost a lot of players to NFL draft. Only seven schools had more players drafted, and all seven of those schools are traditional college football powerhouses. So losing all that talent to the NFL, how am I supposed to think? that Kentucky's going to have a better season this year when you have to replace so many guys worthy of being drafted in the draft? Well, I think it starts with one you have. I mean, your record's going to be better just by virtue of adding in those those guaranteed Correct. games. So that's yeah. part. Uh, and you'll have the Louisville game, which, I, you know, it's not a guaranteed game, but I think, you know, it's your rivalry. You're, you're a better program. You are a better program than they are right now. So I don't, you know, you should feel really good about that. So there's your four, you know. That's four. That's as many wins as you had in the regular season last year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, just from those games. Uh, but you know, outside of that, you know, really, Matt, what really matters is the SEC. And and uh, you know, I just think Kentucky. It's, 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 I think they've proven that they are able to hold their own against the you know the, the the other teams that are where they are in the SEC. You know, they've not they've not shown necessarily that they're in the same atmosphere with with the Alabamas and and Georgia, but pretty much everybody else, most years, Kentucky, uh, you know, still goes out there and maybe doesn't have as many you know stars and 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 and, and, and you know like just deep talent down the roster as, as a lot of these other teams, but they've got enough that they can that they can hang, 
And I think that, you know, I, I think, you know, you look at what they've done, with, you know, some, I mean, like a guy like Jamin Davis, you know, like you know, people, you get so worried about losing a guy like that early, but then you, you know, it's sort of it, the fact that you lost a guy that early is also encouraging because it means, well, okay, maybe there's someone else on the roster that they can you know, do that or someone else can take that leap. I mean, there's been several guys now that have, you know, really jumped off, you know, from their sophomore to junior. I think Chris Rodriguez is a guy that's going to, you know, I'd be surprised if he's a senior playing here at Kentucky in 2022. You know, I don't know that. I think this might be his last year. I mean, I think that's the kind of, you know, what he wants to show, you know, that he doesn't need to be here again. Uh, Darren Kennard's the guy that could have left probably and been drafted in the third or fourth round, but you know, decided to come back. I think that was good. You got Kennard back on the offensive line. You know, you've got them. You know, that's really a group that you know, they benefited a lot from those returns because they have talent down the. That's probably one of your deeper rooms in terms of you know legitimate talent. But you know, a lot of those guys, uh, if had those two not come back, would have been you know playing big snaps for the first time. And and on the deep, you know, I think the, the, the you know biggest area of concern is probably the D line and just that kind of front seven in general. You know, yeah, they added Jacquez Jones, and that's huge in terms of shoring up the the depth there, but you, 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 that whole section of the defense, you know, is going to be playing a lot of younger guys that, you know, have played. It's not that they haven't played, uh, you know, big minutes or, or big snaps against big team, you know, teams that matter, but um, it's just not been a lot of them and they've not had to do it down after down and, uh, you know, series after series. So I think you'll, you know, there'll be some growing pains there early. Probably it's not nice that they have that Louisiana Monroe game. I mean, that's a game, you know, they should, you know, yeah. if that game's not fifty to ten, or you know, or fifty to nothing, or sixty to ten, or something, I mean, that should really be a that should be a a very you know almost like a, a you know glorified scrimmage. Um, yeah, just for that. Pro- yeah, so, Monroe so, is, uh, out in the desert. Monroe has a one and a half win total for the season, so it's not like they're expected to do anything else. Real quick, Josh Moore, season record for Kentucky football this year. Go. Counting the bowl game or just the regular regular season? season. Eight and four. Eight and four. Just, He's Josh yeah, Moore. So he, He's Josh Moore, the Lexington <laughs> Herald leader, the UK football beat writer. Josh, thank you so much. We learned a lot here today, and we got you over the seven uh, win total out in the desert. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. You were great, and we appreciate it, buddy. Appreciate y'all. All right, thank you, sir. Take care. All right, buddy. That's Josh Moore, the Lexington Herald leader. He says 8-4 and four for Kentucky football this season. Do we agree? Eh, probably not 8, but we'll talk about that later. We'll get you ready for the rest of the day on ESPN Radio, and that's coming up next, ESPN Radio 1300, 92.5. ESPN Radio 1300, 92.5. The Bottom Line with Brad Taylor, presented by Stable Duel. Sports talk from a handicapping perspective. We appreciate, uh, what a fitting song, You Better, You Better, You Bet. Hmm. Somebody's trying to tell us something. Maybe we should bet on some games today. Oh, yeah. Maybe these NBA trends we're talking about. Oh, what a uh, – everything happens for a reason, right? We appreciate you listening today. We thank uh, Josh Moore of the uh, Herald-Leader, our U.K. football beat reporter for the Lexington Herald-Leader. He told us 8-4 and four for Kentucky football this year. Uh, oh, I don't think I could go 8-4, and four, man. I, I know a lot of people. Chris Felica of ESPN, he's already said 8-4 and four for this team. Ooh, that quarterback situation just doesn't say 8-4 and four to me just yet. But, hey, we've still got a lot of time before the season starts. Make sure to stay tuned to ESPN Radio today because we've got a cavalcade of stars. 
And we've got the Reds and the Rockies this afternoon, 1240 on ESPN Radio. You'll be able to hear that game live and local. And uh, don't forget, top of the hour, Angelo Carriero will be in here, and he will do his show live at 10 o'clock. I'm sure he'll have a lot on the NBA. We'll try to tell him on the way out the door here to take those favorites. We don't know if he'll listen to us or not, but hey, that's okay. We thank you for listening uh, to The Bottom Line with Brad Taylor, presented by Stable Duel. Sports talk from a handicapping perspective. Follow us on Twitter at BottomLineLex. Email us, BottomLineLex at gmail.com. And until the next time, as always, may the winners be yours.